I'm Jerry Durham. And I'm Andrew Rothschild. And we are the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, bringing you information, ideas, and thoughts from the outer edges of healthcare, and sometimes even from outside of healthcare, where the true changes will occur. What we believe is the singular focus on the patient will bring about the only true change in healthcare. Thank you for coming and enjoy today's show. Welcome back to Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I'm Jerry Durham, uh, flying solo today without my sidekick, Andrew Rothschild, who's busy being a dad and doing all his great stuff out in Virginia. So today I'm happy, happy, happy to bring back Lisa Maxura. You say it like it's spelled. If you try to do it any other way, it doesn't work. Whom many of you have heard, have met, who know about, um, just to set some context, Lisa is yet another person I met on Twitter who was not a healthcare provider, fortunately. I've met enough of those people on Twitter. Um, Lisa is actually a patient of um, a physical therapist out in Arizona where she lives. And Lisa and I met about three to four years ago. Is that correct, Lisa? About that. Okay, cool. And Lisa was on the uh, patient panel that I'd put together out at CSM in Anaheim two years ago. And uh, Lisa and I have continued our friendship, and uh, she came to CSM in San Antonio this year on her own dime, um, on her own time to um, keep the voice of the patient, shall we say, uh, going and heard, because there was no voice of the patient at CSM, but that's for another podcast and another time. Be happy to participate in that one, too. Yeah. Lisa, Lisa... I contacted Lisa, and just to give you guys all a little context of CSM two years ago, I contacted Lisa and said, you share whatever the hell you want. There is no outline. There is no nothing. She asked if she could get her physical therapist there, and I had never met her physical therapist, and her physical therapist's name is Eric Christensen out of Chandler Physical Therapy, and it was that day that I first met Eric, and I didn't know Eric. I, you know, I knew he was on Twitter, but I met him through Lisa. And then I met him that day, and now Eric and I, over the last year or so, have connected on more occasions than we had the year before. So I just met Eric, what, two years ago, and have really become, know more about him and have had more conversations with him in the last year. And Eric is joining us today on the podcast. How are you doing today, Eric? We're doing great, Jerry. I really appreciate you having me. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Good. So what we're going to do today on Healthcare Disruption Podcast, as you guys know, we talk a lot about the patient experience, focus on the patient, whether I've got someone on here talking about tech, it's how does this help the patient experience. So Lisa actually brought up this great idea. I'm not going to take any credit for this, but yet this is the right place to, this is the right venue to share the story. Lisa said, everybody talks about patient experience. Providers talk about it. Patients talk about it. It's a rare day when the providers and the patients get together in some venue other than just Twitter or some space other than the provider's clinic to actually share the patient experience story with the patient and the provider uh, there. Most people know I don't like the word patient. I'm just going to say Lisa. Be aware that she is a physical therapy patient um, of Eric. So I think let's, uh, let's just start the conversation with Lisa and share your thoughts a little bit, Lisa, maybe on... I don't know if you want on um, what what has occurred since CSM two years ago when I met you face to face to today and what's bringing us here today together. 
Okay. Well, um, you and I and a lot of other PTs that are in, in the mix have been talking about, like you said, the patient experience and all that and, and being dialed into the patient's perceptions of how they're being treated and how that is used to um, improve your business. But there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about sort of closing the gap, closing the circle of, of having a way to demonstrate how that works and how that works well. Um, Eric's been my physical therapist for going on seven years now. I don't know if we're going to have a cake in August, but I think it might be a good idea. Um, and I was, I had low back pain uh, when I first started with Eric. I, I was really freaked out. Um, I have a diagnosis of uh, spastic cerebral palsy. I'm uh, marginally ambulatory and I'm having to deal with issues of aging. I'm just two years old. When I started with Eric, I was about 45 and um, had some low back pain because I work a, a desk job full time. I was worried about the pain. I was worried about maybe having to go into a brace. I, ha I had not had um, any PT at all from about the age of 11 to the age of 45. Um, I had PT as a kid, um, but I was basically farmed out um, at the end of my elementary school years and basically told, you're all better now, go, go live your life, you know. And um, the issues of aging and the progressive but not progressive nature of my disease uh, process is um, not something that was ever discussed with me. So when I hit my mid-30s to early 40s, it started to get to be a problem more so than I had anticipated. Had the low back pain, got sent off for an MRI. I know how you guys all feel about MRIs, but I got the MRI and, and the spine doctor did the right thing. They said, you need PT. And so I showed up on uh, Eric's doorstep in Chandler, Arizona at Chandler PT. And I was really full of, prep, of trepidation because uh, I hadn't had PT as a kid. It was not something I was really educated about, even though it was done to, to me on a regular basis. And uh, I was really scared. And uh, I'd, I'd like this um, podcast to be sort of an example of, of the early part of our working relationship, meaning me and Eric's. And then, uh, and then how that's progressed and how he feels about me from a clinical standpoint, how he feels about me from a working relationship standpoint. And so for right now, I'm going to say hello to Eric, who I just saw on Wednesday. We were trying to approximate a clam. It didn't go well. But I, I, Eric, if you could, um, I just want you to give a little bit of background in your schooling, just real briefly. And then um, your initial uh, eval and diagnosis of me and what your first impressions were. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Take it with that. That'd be great. Absolutely. Anything? So, I'm, uh, I went to school at Regis University, um, graduated from there in 2009. And then my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, and I moved down to Arizona to kind of start our careers as physical therapists. Um, had dreams of opening a practice at one point, but kind of had it fell in a fall in our lap uh, after about two years of practice. Uh, I was the clinic director of the Chandler office at the time, and the owner decided that he wanted to kind of step back and start retiring, and so he offered uh, for us to kind of pick up the practice, and so we thought now or never, and so we, we jumped into it, and that's kind of how we ended up uh, down this road of clinic ownership. Uh, at the time when I met Lisa, I was still just the clinic director at uh, at the office i did not own it at that time and you know it to me you know when lisa comes in the door it was it, something you don't see traditionally in our setting i would say um 
Urinal. Yeah, stuff that we, right? yeah, definitely. And, and primarily orthopedic practice, obviously. Um, you've had discussions on ortho versus neuro, which is, you know, to me, I don't know if we can differentiate them out, but that, again, that might be for another broadcast. But uh, so walks in the door and she had a diagnosis of low back pain. And I guess um, to me, it was like, okay, let's see what we, what we can do. And it was treat you as, as I have treated most everyone else in terms of assessment and then try and realistically give you expectations and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing going on, regardless of whether you have a CP or not. And, you know, we, we worked through it and uh, we were successful and dialed it back down and, and got her back to doing her thing. So could you give them a little bit more detail as to um, the issues you were um, working with in terms of relating that to my CP? And, um, yeah, like absolutely. So we, you know, when you first evaluating, I think in, in terms of psychologically, there's obviously some fear or anxiety or apprehension of the whole process. And I don't know if it helped that, you know, I was still very wet behind the ears when uh, she walks in, you know, that you become a clinic director after six months of being in practice, you have a lot to learn still. So um, I think that we both had a lot to learn from each other. So I think she saw that as maybe something that hopefully felt a little safer to her and that I wasn't hard and fast in my ways and this is how we're going to do it. It's like, let's learn from each other. Uh, you know, obviously with her spasticity, that presented a, a treatment block in terms of how you might normally stretch somebody or how might, what you might normally use in terms of modalities. And, and so we had to kind of come up with some, some strategies and not only work for her in terms of positioning because, you know, getting up and down off the floor is a little different between her and say, someone who doesn't have CP but also in terms of what she can accomplish at home, how she can follow through with the things I asked her to do and how I can relate it to her and, and make things stick as best as possible so that it doesn't happen again. Those some of the hurdles we had to go over. And uh, I want to bring to everybody's attention real quick, Lisa, because you didn't mention it. And um, I think it's important is you have lived on your own since day one, correct? Since you've been an adult. Yeah. Hey, Eric, can you mute real quick? Yeah, buddy. Sorry. Uh, so you've lived on your own your whole adult life, right? I think that's a really important part of this conversation. Yeah. Um, so, so the fear, I want everybody to understand, here you are, right? Someone, right? Because we're, I, I guarantee you, most people are assuming, you know, maybe you live with family or something. So it's really important to the conversation. Everybody understand that. So when you get back pain and you're worried about your mobility, this is going to be a life potentially, potentially life altering. Right. It's bread and butter. It's bread yeah. and butter. Can I work? Can I pay my bills? Can I make, can I pay my mortgage? Can I do my household chores? I own my own home. I drive. Yeah. I drive my life. Yeah. And so, you know, as you hear Eric talk, everyone, um, just a little clarity here in a little context setting, you know, here's Eric, brand new clinic director in an ortho clinic. And I stress ortho clinic. That's important to note. Well, and this is what I love because we've all had that we've all had that referral that says low back pain. This is what I hate about the way everybody does most of their business and they don't get that patient story is you see low back pain, Eric walks in the room, he's like, Holy for lack of a better term, I'm gonna assume you thought this, Eric. Holy fucking shit, low back pain. Right? I've got this I've got this story, right? I've got this person. You wanna talk about treating a person now? So yeah, I will uh, I'll let you guys continue, but I want to set the context for all that. It's really important, not only how you guys came together, but what you brought 
no pun intended, what you brought with you to the physical therapy office that day when you and Eric met. That's the part that's that's so big here. So let's. Uh, what I want to know is if I, although I've never asked him, was he scared? Were you scared? What, you know, I'm. If you're familiar with kind of learning styles, I'm more of a converger. You know, jump in and then ask questions later type situation. So I guess in terms of scared, no, I. I, I knew I had a lot to learn. You know, you learn a little bit about, okay, this is what CP is. This is how it presents. And this is kind of what you can expect in the age range by a textbook. But to have someone up close and personal that's living and breathing it every single day and that their whole outcome depends on what you may or may not do is that to me was a little bit intimidating. You know, I knew in terms of skill wise, I had stuff to bring to you that maybe you didn't get when you were um, younger. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't too worried about that. Uh, but, you know, in terms of outcome and where do we go from here and, and education and trying to relate to it because it's not something I've ever lived through, that, that was a little more intimidating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I was, I was really scared. I was frightened. Um, one of the things I brought up in my, in my other podcast and other things is, is like, I, I just got an immediate vibe from you, and this is hard to explain to people if you haven't been in the room with someone who gives a crap. It's like I got an immediate vibe from you that you were completely dialed in, like from the get go. Not that you knew everything, not that you were, you know, came at me with all this. Well, we're going to do twelve things, and, and you're going to be all better and all that. But it was, it was more like, okay, I, I'm safe here. So. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to that because you started to go, I got this vibe and it wasn't like you knew everything. And, and so Lisa, let me just clarify as I think I jumped in a little quick there. So I apologize. I was excited about going on with that. You felt safe there. Yeah. You were, and, and let's clarify people. I, I'm going to keep coming back around. Lisa introduces herself, right? As I'm sorry, Lisa, it's spastic uh, cerebral palsy, correct? I don't know if I'd be considered Hemi or Di. You'd have to ask Eric. Okay. So, so you refer to yourself. So everybody th puts this picture in. But again, here's an independent woman working, owns a house, working, paying bills, right? Driving at the time. Correct, Lisa? I'm still driving. Oh, you still are. Well, let me know when you're on the road. And I'll make sure I'm off. Um, I know how to do Uber. I'm just teasing. Yeah. Um, and then you show up again. Eric's got this referral. We've all seen it. So, this story applies to every single person listening to this podcast. Regardless, don't, don't get this spastic CP part stuck in your head, people. That's what I really want you to get out of this is she needed, she sat in a room. It's no different than any other patient that comes in there. They've got to feel hopeful. They've got to feel safe. And they've, here's another word, Lisa, I'd like you to maybe talk about. What about trust? Did you trust Eric on the first day? Did you not? So actually take us through the, you know, you go to physical therapy. Was there any trust before you got there? And then what was it like as you went on during the eval day? I'd like to hear about that. Are you talking about me with Eric or me as a kid? You with Eric. So you show up, thank you. You show up at Chandler. What was your trust level? You go in the room with Eric. I, I, I thought when I first walked in, I was scared. I was really scared. But it was interesting to me that he spent a lot of time being very methodical in his eval. And I told Dustin when I interviewed with him, it's like, it's like I, could, I could feel him thinking. And it's like, okay, it, I, I couldn't, 
I, I didn't have the vibe that he was like, oh, this is, this is beyond my pay grade. This isn't my CSM section. It was just kind of like, okay, let's just divide and conquer. You know, that was what was important to me. Everybody, you need to roll back that last minute or two and listen to that again, that perception that came around on the other end. I just got done talking to the two nobodies, right? And they, I talked to Nick. He said he was so thrilled to talk to you. Yeah. And, you know, and Nick just got out of school, so he's asking me all these questions. And I, I, I was just like, leave your clinical skills, your hand skills are there. And Eric, I want you to chime in after this. Your hand skills are there. They're there. So why is everybody worried about taking the next clinical course it's that communication skill so eric i want to know how you did that what what you've done what how you got to that point where you're sitting across from lisa because by the way everything lisa said she got from you she wouldn't have gotten from me and I, i'm being totally honest i'd have been sitting in there going fuck this is over me i don't know what i'm going to do fuck i'm overwhelmed right so eric talk a little bit about where you came from or what you did or what courses you took anything so, um, you know, obviously Regis, where I went to school, was very manual-based at the time. So that was kind of my emphasis when I came out of school. It was like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I can, I can crush spines and, and get people better through manipulation if it fits in the CPR. Um, obviously, Lisa didn't necessarily fit with any sort of boxed presentation. And I think it's worthwhile mentioning that, you know, Lisa is going through the, the evaluations. Like, oh, by the way, I've had my ankle fused. And I was in a car accident and uh, shattered my hip as well. So we've got those things kind of going on too. And it's like, well, okay. You know, and, and in terms of my background, when I first got out of school, you know, I felt fairly confident in terms of uh, handling uh, patients or, or managing them manually. Uh, but I didn't feel like I had a clear picture of how to assess them. So I, I, I jumped into an assessment piece. I took the selective functional movement assessment. Um, and really dove into that and, and said, okay, if, if I can get to what's really going wrong, I know I have the tools to treat it. So understanding that this is something like, I may not always get the diagnosis right, so let's really get something to help me really enhance the ability to get the diagnosis right. Um, and then, you know, I took some other manual stuff. I got my dry needling certification, um, and, and I did some instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization certification. Ooh, grafting. I hate grafting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of as far as managing within, like, connecting to a patient, you know, I love to talk, Jerry, and you'll find that it's hard to shut me up, and sometimes it's, you know, probably a way to kind of defend myself. Um, but uh, I think connecting in that way, I was raised, uh, my mom was a preschool teacher, and half of her class, if not more, had to be um, at-risk students, um, either autistic, CP, um, blind, some sort of uh, potential learning disability. And, I spent a lot of time tutoring kids in there. And so I feel like maybe that background helped me at least relate on some level to maybe some of the struggles Lisa was having. Um, and, and maybe some of the fears of what, what happens if this doesn't, doesn't get better. And I think uh, it's important. As I'm sure you mentioned it before Lisa, that you, you are a twin um, and your twin is 100% fully functional. Yeah. Um, and so to have that mirror of someone of what, could be, or this, this is me, but it's not me, um, kind of hanging over your head, um, is, I think that's something to take into consideration about how you perceive yourself, how your abilities go and, and what your expectations are. So that was very interesting to me when I learned that. And, it, and it's, 
it's interesting being a twin because although it's psychologically difficult because you always have someone that you should be more like physically, I always had a playmate, you know, and, you know, some kids that are disabled don't have playmates. I had one built in, you know. Right. That from a social, socialization standpoint, that was important. Although we did not go to school together until high school because of my diagnosis. Well, I think it may have helped maybe a little bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, you don't know anything different. This wasn't necessarily an acquired disability later in life. This right. was something that you, it's who you are, and I think acceptance of that probably comes easier than perhaps someone who is 30 and then has an accident where they might lose their leg or become blind or something and have to learn from there. It's a completely different mindset um, because I feel a sense of absence, but not a sense of loss. This is huge. This is huge because now we are still back to this point I want to make for everybody listening. This was not a spastic CP person who showed up in Eric's office at the age of what? 42, Lisa? 45. 45. 45, Right. With what he just said, with this sudden loss. She showed up with low back pain, worried she couldn't do her job and pay her bills. That is no different than, in, than the majority of people that walk into anybody's clinic every day. Neuro, orthopedic, right? Whatever it is. Um, you know, pelvic health, women's health. I mean, let's throw them all out there. This is no different. This is Lisa showing up going, I got low back pain. I need to work. I need to pay my bills. And oh yeah, here's my history. That's no different. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and two things, well, a bunch of things, but two things that I mention now is, is that um, Eric was really good about giving me a vocabulary to talk to, to, to talk to him about what was going on with me. I mean, he, he explained a lot, a lot about anatomy and patterning and, and all the stuff that somebody with CP is going to want to know, even more so than perhaps your average ortho patient. Um, but just the, the, like the emotional oasis of being able to say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm worried about. And, and, to, and to be able to have, and be able to give specifics now. And, and that's not something that we, that we developed immediately, obviously. I mean, he had to explain a lot to me over time, but it's, it's a little bit like going to a really good bartender or a really good shrink. It's like, okay. If we have the same vocabulary, then you, especially over seven years, you develop a shorthand, you know, I mean, I have different names for my HEP exercises that are nothing like the names that he has. I still don't care what he calls them. This is what I call them. And he, you know, that kind of thing. And, and one of the other things that um, Eric didn't mention to you is that um, Regis, although it may sound maybe a little bit odd and not relevant. Regis is a Jesuit school, okay? And me, me being not quite a Catholic, um, appreciates the eggheadiness of the Jesuits and their commitment to the poor and the people that need help. And he's, so my assumption is, is that he was educated in an environment that inculcated him for that. In addition to having, in, in addition to having two two parents that were just phenomenal, I've met his mom. His mom is cool. I understand a lot of the way Eric is because I've met his mother. You know, so a lot of it's just kind of mindset. The other thing that we found out we had a a, um, a connection early on was is that 
when he was a teenager or in college, he was um, an Easter Seals camp counselor. Mm. And many, many years before, I was an Easter Seals camper. So just the fact that I knew that he'd been in that environment meant that there was, not that I still didn't have to explain a lot, but that there was a baseline of understanding that I didn't have to start from ground ground zero. I'm going to... I'm going to interject there real quick. Or Eric, you got something to add? At- well, I just would like, you know, and, and that being on the Easter Seals, every year uh, for Christmas we get a card in the mail that Lisa's made a donation to Easter Seals. No, no, no. Not, not every year. It's every every year you have a baby. Well, okay. But it must have pretty oh, much every rate, year given. Yeah. At this rate, that's every year, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there will be one this year for sure. Yeah. But things like that, you know, that you don't find patients doing, and you know, it's it, it's pretty cool, I guess. So, that's, hold up, hold up, real quick, Lisa. I want to interject something because you shared a lot, a lot of stuff. People need to put into a little context, I believe, because a lot of the younger generation um, aren't going to f- quite get the context. What I want people to understand is everything that Lisa just talked about. And I'm not bashing school. I'm just telling you school is a foundation. It's not the end, right? It's a means. It's a means to an end. It is not the end. And everything Lisa just talked about came from this person that took other parts of, um, uh, other parts of their, um, life experience and put it in and used it every day. So this is really important because it's not, oh, I went to this great ortho PT. No, you haven't heard Lisa say that. She went to this great physical therapist of which I only hear her call him Eric, right? It's not her PT. So Lisa, I'm going to use that as a segue regarding what you were going to say next, or regardless of what you were going to say next. We're, We're talking a lot about when you guys met. Now, this is a relationship that has spanned seven years. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that evaluation time in those first weeks where Eric kept delivering on what you believed he could do for you? Or was it more about he listened to you? T- tell me how that has played out over the years. And then I want to hear Eric's take on having a patient for seven years. Yeah. Um, initially, I just felt really good about being heard and feeling like I was being understood. Um, diagnostically, I did not have a good idea of what the arc of my, um, what the arc of my life physically was going to be. I had a, a very dark inkling that um, it was going to be a lot harder than I was told as a kid and as a young adult. Um, but I didn't really have a good feeling for that at that point. I was just glad that he was listening to me. And at that point, I had no idea that there was any kind of divide between ortho and neuro. I didn't know I was a neuro patient. I mean, I was just a a patient with CP. I knew that was neurologically involved, but I didn't realize that you guys had the 12 or 18, you know, CSM sections that you have. And that, that, that there was this, you know, sort of DMZ of, you know, we stay over here and you people are over there. I didn't have any sense of that until much later. Um, Eric had mentioned about him getting uh, certified. I think he's at level two now for, for Deanne. And uh, I got involved in the, um, the Arizona fight for uh, PT scope of practice in dry needling. And that was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, dry needling does really, really well for me, um, at least in terms of my, uh, my hamstrings, because I have um, not the greatest range of motion. And 
and um, with Deanne it was um, pretty much immediate and I've been able to hold on to those gains from from extension um, not so much from a pain standpoint he's, he's right needle other parts of my anatomy which have responded at least in my subjective uh, um, point of view that have not responded quite as well but it always seems to do well for my hand my, my calves stuff like that I don't know did I did I get off Topic there. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, you're telling the story about how that relationship has continued. That that that's the point I wanted to make, and I believe you did to the point. And Eric, I want you to share right after this. To the point, I want you guys to understand Lisa on her own time, her own money, her own energy, brought herself to the capital in what's the, what's the capital of Arizona, people? Phoenix. Phoenix. Thank you. Got herself to the capital to advocate for the profession of physical therapy for dry needling in that state. Now, I want you all to pause for 10 seconds and tell me how many of you have connected with a patient in a way that they did that. You're gonna tell me they wrote letters, I get it. You're gonna tell me they did something else, I get it. How many of you have connected with your patients in a way that they cared, that they cared as much as you did about your profession? That's what we're talking about. Right, Eric? I might say that, yeah, and I might say cared even more because at the time, you know, like I was at a development of the clinic where I couldn't get away and my patient was down there. That's even I better than your patient's there and you're not. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, and that, that put a burden on me as far as, you know, the, the responsibility of the profession, but also myself, but also, you know, the moment of pride that, hey, you know, I, maybe I inspired someone to, to go above and beyond, which, which is huge. I just don't like when my friends are picked on. I don't like when I'm picked on, and that those were all the two things that I needed. And uh, Sean Flanagan and Justin Dunaway of Stand for Haiti Fame and MPTA, um, I found them on Twitter, I think, and I kind of just invited myself and then asked if I could talk, and it went really well. And you know, some people said I had a, a pretty significant impact. I'd like to think I had some. I don't know how much. Um, Sean and, and Justin were at it for a couple of years with lawyer, lawyers and lobbyists and stuff like that. So I came in at the tail end with a couple other patients, but it was a nice little coup de grace. It's like, mm-hmm, you know, just snap them back a little bit, you know, the opposition, who I shall not name. But uh, some of the things that Eric and I have been working on in the last several years is um, I've come to the conclusion, and he, he probably did a long time before I did, but I've come to the conclusion that it, there's no really getting better for me. And I understood that intellectually, but I think emotionally I've come to that point where there's really no getting better in the sense of, oh, he's going to be back this or that symptom, and then it's going to be over. I don't have to address it anymore. He and I are fighting a downhill slide, and it's just a matter of how good are the breaks that he can give me so that I retain as much function as I, as I can have. And, um, so that's really important to me. That, 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 that's something really everybody needs to keep in context too of that patient across from you, um, managing their expectations in a manner that fits with what the actual future picture looks like. Because right. I didn't really have a good grasp of the fact that it was going to be as difficult as it is for me now. Because right now I can't walk across my living room. Interesting. And I will never be able to. You know, but when I walk, when I was first with Eric, I was able to do that. I was able to walk from the, the front desk to the exam table 
without any assistance and was able to do that for, I think, a few years, and now I can't. But that's not a reflection on his care. It's just, it's, it's the, it's the quote-unquote disease process, and he's helped me to deal with that. We're looking at it, it looks like a couple minutes away from having to re-sign on, if you guys are still willing to talk. Yeah, here, well, here, here's what I want to do. I want to wrap this up. We, we can always do a part two, but I want to wrap this one up because I want to keep it about that experience, which you mentioned, Lisa. So what, here, here's what I'm going to ask you to, to, to do to, um, to wrap this up. Eric, I want you to pick one, two, three words, words, not phrases, to, 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 that you would use to describe your relationship, your professional relationship, because I know there's probably a little bit outside of it too but the professional relationship that you have built with Lisa over seven years. And then Lisa, I want you to use one, two, three words, not phrases, but words. All right, let's see. Um, I would say it is honest. I would say it is open. And I'd say it was easy. Would be the three that I would define it as. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Lisa. Uh, that professional relationship over seven years from day one to today, three, four words, you can use more if you want, but I want well, words. I would, I would agree with every, every word that he picked. Um, plus what's become very important to me as my disease process has gotten more difficult is I feel protected in a way that even the people who love me and know me better than Eric don't protect me. And that's huge because I'm alone. Um, that's, like I said, I, that's the big thing with me. I mean, I, I know that he's going to be with me for as long as I need him to be. I, I told him I'm putting your kids through college, and not, not all of them are born yet. So it's just feeling protected, feeling like he can give me bad news, and I can take it better because I know I'm not going through it alone. And the, the isolation of a long-term disability is not something I can adequately describe to you without breaking down. So I'm not going to try. Yeah, that's cool. Now that's great. I really want people to hear those words from the PT side, what his impression is, and then your side. And I, I think what's important, obviously it's been seven years. Obviously those words are going to align if they, I mean, I'm not going to speculate anything because if they didn't, we wouldn't be on the podcast. So that's the beauty, and I want people to really think about what those words mean to them and then what that means to their patients. Because again, th th this, this story, this experience that Lisa and Eric just shared is every patient that walks in the door. Oh, I have a shoulder patient today. Well, no, you don't. You got a fucking person who has a shoulder who has an issue, so get it all, get it all, get it all, because it's not a shoulder issue. A person in front of you with something they can't do. By the way, nobody comes to you for low back pain. Nobody. Nobody calls your clinic because I have low back pain. People call your clinic because I have pain in my back and I'm worried about losing my mobility and potentially down the road, losing my job, losing my house. That's why people come to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode. 
If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.